left in them. If they do, they need it now. Christie kicks it high and short. Going to be fielded by Lorenzo Neal at the 25. Yeah, Pitches it, to... it back to Wycheck. He throws it across the field to Dyson. He's got something. 30, He's 40, got something. 50, He's got it. 40, He's got it. 20, 10. He's got five. it. End zone. Touchdown, Titans. There are no flags on the field. It's a miracle. Tennessee has pulled a miracle. A miracle for the Titans. And that's how we start this new edition of the North Springs Sessions podcast with DK. I'm Dustin Kennedy. Thank you for tuning in. Tennessee Titans just celebrated the 24th anniversary of the uh, iconic Music City miracle that happened on Wild Card Weekend, January 2000, <clears throat> with the uh, the pass from Frank Wycheck. It was originally caught by Lorenzo Neal. Handed off to Wycheck, throws the ball to Dyson, and the rest is forever history. The great call there by the voice of the Tennessee Titans, Mike Keith, along with color guy, analyst, Pat Ryan. Um, you know, the, the biggest play in Titans history. Um, and I always complain that, that that that's how bad the Titans are. I got into a little verbal Twitter, uh, one-sided really, a couple years ago with a buddy of mine, and we were talking Cowboys and Titans, and he just said how irrelevant the Titans are. And I said, dude, I can't even argue with you. I mean, we're, we celebrate a trick play from over 20 years ago, and it's still their most famous play in the, in the team's history. I said, hell, I said, you know, we celebrate losing the Super Bowl is how mired in mediocrity we are. You know, we're like, oh, remember the Super Bowl team? I'm like, ah, the one we lost, but still we didn't make it the first year in Nashville. And, you know, tonight I was going to – I wasn't planning really talking about Titans because the Music City Miracle has has been around for so long. We've talked about it, but a nice little tribute there to Frank Wycheck, who we just lost last month. And, uh, and again, something Kevin Dyson will be famous for forever and ever making that play. But, you know, I thought about doing a little, you know, something for the anniversary of the Music City Miracle, then talking about the Titans season, how it wasn't very, you know, very interesting. Of course, they did. Um, end the season on a high note, and I was I had plenty of notes here that pretty historic game numbers-wise for Derrick Henry for a career at least, not so much for the season, and for Ryan Tannehill, who both most likely finished their seat, their uh, careers in Tennessee Titan two-tone blue last Sunday. And so I had all these numbers for Tannehill and Henry and um, other guys on the team and <coughs> – then the bombshell happened yesterday where Amy Adams Strunk, controlling owner of the Tennessee Titans, fired Mike Vrabel after six seasons as head coach. So we'll get into all that for all you guys who's been uh, clamoring for a sports episode. I'll just kind of trickle in. This will be a completely um, completely dedicated to Tennessee Titans on this episode. So if you hate sports, you can hit stop right now. Make sure you download it and you can give a like and a uh, uh, subscribe there. Either, either way, but if you don't hate, if you don't like the old sports ball, you can stop right now. But um, and and I will be c- covering an episode about Chris Knight, country music Americana legend, singer songwriter. I'm doing a little series of stuff about just basically the top ten favorite songs. Um, so I, I've been working on that. I've had some equipment issues. I had a cell phone to crash last Friday, which. I'm not a cell phone whore. I'm not like, you know, some people stand outside of Verizon or U.S. Sailor or AT&T and wait on the new phone. to. I, I would, I swear to God, if it wasn't for technology, I, I don't know that I would care to have a, 
Well, I wanna, I'm not going to say flip phone because I'm not that old school. But I don't care like when the 15 drops or the 16 is going to drop. I, I, I really could, I just don't care uh, about all that. But So I was hanging on to my 12, which to me, I guess it's three years old now, but I was perfectly happy with my 12. And it crashed, so I was without a phone pretty much all day Friday. And you don't guys don't know how much pain in the ass when you got everything linked to a phone. So I, I went out here Saturday morning. Or no, I'm sorry. Uh, so, I don't know. I tried to do it two days in a row. Then I realized that the port in the iPhones had changed from the USB to the USB-C. So we had to go to Walmart and get a new little adapter so I could be able to use this mix board. And then the next day when I came out here, I guess that was Sunday. So then Monday night after work, I come in here trying to record the Chris Knight episode and couldn't get in my box, my uh, mix board here. It was connected to my old phone, so it was just a major pain in the ass trying to uh, shift around, trying to get Bluetooth disconnected from an old phone that's crashed. Finally got the old phone up and running, got it synced together today, and only only uh, um, brought over about half my photos. And, you know, I, I it's hard enough. I keep so many photos and videos on my phone anyway that it's hard enough to find pictures when you're looking for them. But now, like for no rhyme or reason, when they uh, was syncing my phone back together with my old one with the mirror image thing they do now, um, I've realistically got a picture from August of 2018, about seven pictures over from one I took last week. So, I mean, good luck me ever trying to find a, a, one particular picture on my camera roll ever again. So, technology, pretty cool, really, uh, pretty cool. So, um, so, yeah, it's a lot. Of, you know, a lot of things happen. Tennessee Titans in the last week. Last week uh, did upset the Jacksonville Jaguars on week 18. Um, Jacksonville pretty much had a similar end of their season the way the Titans did last year. You know, the Titans started 7-3, seven seven uh, had the big road win up in uh, Lambeau Field in Green Bay the night that they're at the time. Uh, offensive coordinator Todd Downing got the DUI, and they never won another game to end the season. Uh, they had the winner go home, win, win and – Winner wins the division with Jacksonville. Of course, Jacksonville uh, won that when Josh Dobbs stepped in basically off the street and uh, played quarterback for the Titans and got screwed with that fumble, incomplete pass call. Um, once it's, you want a call that you've seen superstars the next day make, and it was the opposite call of what Dobbs got. So, um, so the Titans had nothing to play for other than just playing a division rival on Sunday, and they got to play the spoiler, and Jacksonville got – Packed, uh, got sent packing, and which is good. I, I think Jacksonville kind of rates as my favorite, least favorite of AFC South rivals. You know, the, the Colts were so good for so long. It's funny when you look at some franchises. The Colts, you know, screw the Colts because you're you're lucky enough to go from Peyton Manning to Andrew Luck, and had Andrew Luck not been getting the hell beat out of him and still love football, he would still be torturing the Titans because he, he, he. I don't know if he ever lost to the Titans. I don't think he did. Um, and some franchises, you know, do that. They go from like the 49ers go from Steve Young, uh, you know, Joe Montana to Steve Young, and you know, there's there's been you know, where the Titans. I was gonna say punter because we went from Craig Hendrick to Brett Kern to Ryan Stonehouse, and that's about as good as it gets. But realistically, probably do have the fa the biggest uh, Mount Rushmore of running backs in history. If you if you take the top four running backs, if you go back to the Oilers days, which I know Texans fans don't want to hear that, but it is actually – the Oilers is actually the Titans franchise. I don't know. That whole thing is really confusing for Houston people. You know, you lost your franchise in 1997 
You weren't the Texans until 2002, 2003. So, no, you don't get the damn uniforms. No, no, you know, screw J.J. Watt and all the bullshit he talks. Um, so, you know, Earl Campbell, Eddie George, Chris Johnson, Derek Henry, find me a, a, a better four uh, running backs, you know. So, um but it's just nice to, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm rambling there. Started off, but you know the Colts have have always had our number, so it's always, and you know, I, I usually have fun with Indianapolis people though in Nashville. They're always a good time. Houston to me is indifferent. I just really hate Jacksonville fans. They're just, they've never really been good either. Uh, and I was on vacation. I put this on Facebook the other day. I was on vacation um, in da- in Daytona with Lindsey's family this past summer. And a guy come out of the condo and he had a Jag shirt on. I didn't even have anything Titans gear on, so he didn't even know what I was saying. Or he didn't even, you know, know my direction. I just said, boy, I hate that shirt. He goes, oh, yeah, you're really going to hate it next year. I'm like, easy, killer. Y'all have had one good year in the last decade. Let's, let's, let's chill out here. So I particularly thought about that gentleman as the Jags got their ass beat last Sunday. Um, I, I smiled. I smiled just a little bit thinking about that conversation because he was – he had, like, no personality about it. Like, that's what you do as football fans. You, you rib each other and give each other a hard time about their teams. And he wasn't taking the jokes. But, you know, on the opposite end of that, the next day I'm in the pool having a cold beer, and this older gentleman walked by with a Colts bucket hat, and I, just, I started, and I started booing him. And he looked down, and I said, well, you know your team sucks when you automatically knew I was booing you. We ended up drinking beer with me and him and his son-in-law. We drank beer in the pool for, like, two hours together. I completely neglected my wife, neglected my kids, and just had a beer with these two guys from uh, from Indiana for you know the next two hours. So that's why I can't have, hold, hate the Colts fans. I usually usually in, in, you know enjoying those guys. Uh, but down down to the business, you know, we'll get to Vrabel. I've got a lot of notes here for Vrabel, John Robinson, uh, Rand Carthon, the new general manager for the Titans. But um, but I do want to look at. You know, some of the things that Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill um, were able to accomplish last Sunday, just if we're going in chronological order here, before the big news about Vrabel. Um, Derrick Henry, you know, is putting together pretty much a Hall of, a Hall of Fame resume. Um, I, I'm on record as not being a huge Ryan Tannehill fan. I, I'm one of those people that can talk um, logically about his career here. You know, I... I, I I could acknowledge that he's probably the second best quarterback to ever wear a Titans uniform, while also saying he's probably the sole reason we lost the playoffs ga- games that we did. And more on that later. But I do appreciate the time he, he spent here because I, I can't imagine the direction we were going in when we were two and four when Mariota got benched in Denver that 2019 season and and uh, Tannehill stepped in and Henry started running the ball better. AJ Brown became a factor at that point. Uh, you can't be the best receiver in football if Marcus Mariota's throwing you the ball. So, uh, sorry, Mackie. But, um, but, yeah, Derrick Henry finishes the season. I forget what he rushed last, 150-something yards. To finish second in the league behind only Christian McCaffrey. And that's just a – that just shows you how good of a player Derrick Henry is and how uh, dominant he's been in the NFL when you can finish with 1,100 rushing yards behind the absolute worst offensive line possibly in the history of the league. Um, you know, he finishes. He, you know, he did. He did. Uh, 
I saw Derrick Henry have more personality in that post-game presser than I've seen in the whole time he's been here. I've, we've met Derrick Henry. Um, I hate to rain on anybody's parade that Derrick Henry is like this overwhelming, joyous guy. I can appreciate the fact that he's been a badass for the Titans while also saying I had field passes his rookie year. Um, a, a player, there was another player on the team that gave me field passes for me and Waylon, and we set, we got to sit in the uh, family tent during practice and watch, you know. And so practice is over, and we're all hanging out. Delaney Walker's been over there hanging out with us. Um, future Hall of Famer Andre Johnson was was cutting up with us, Ben Jones. And then Henry comes off, and I just, you know, I, I mean, he's right there, and, and Waylon's about nine years old at the time. And he says, Daddy, Daddy, there's Derrick Henry. I said, do you want a picture with him? He said, yeah. So I said, hey, Derrick, do you mind taking a picture with my son? I didn't ask him for an autograph. I wasn't a – I didn't take a selfie with him. It wasn't about me. I just wanted my kid to take a picture with him. And Derrick just stands, like, stares me down, stops dead in his tracks, doesn't touch Waylon, doesn't speak to Waylon. He just kind of stands next to him, takes the picture. I mean, again, he didn't have to take the picture. So, um, you know, and that was his rookie year. And then about two years ago, the, uh, my friend of mine, James Pelham, puts together, he works uh, for a company, and they had a, an autograph signing down in Huntsville. So me and Mackie and uh, Waylon went down there. Tannehill was there also. And uh, this is a paid signing now, guys. We, had, we paid money to meet Derek Kinner this time. And the man barely spoke. <laughs> the man barely spoke. I had a paid autograph signing when a kid's trying to talk to him again. So, I mean – you know, still glad he played here, but I kind of was like, who the hell is this guy when he's at the press conference and he's thinking everybody by name and then, he, then he's out by the tunnel taking selfies and signing autographs for people with camera crew around, mind you. But I just thought, no, that's not the guy we've met twice. <laughs> um, but also, damn, what a football player. You know, he doesn't have to kiss babies and shake hands and everything if he can just run the way he did. Um Truly historic. You know, I remember when they drafted him, I was up in Clark Range, my buddy John Godwin's house at the time, and we had DeMarco Murray, so I was like, why do we need Derrick Henry? You know, that's I'm a real football expert, let me tell you. Um, run, run down some, some stats real quick. Eight seasons, 9,349 rush yards, 10,844 total yards from scrimmage, 106 total touchdowns. You know, he's got to be quite the quarterback uh, in his spare time here in Tennessee. Four-time Pro Bowler, 2020 Offensive Player of the Year, set franchise records uh, for touchdowns in total 100-yard games, and of course, one of only I think eight players in NFL um, NFL history with a 2,000-yard season. Um, all those stats coming from Charm Sports on the artist formerly known as Twitter. Um, just you know, a lot of more stats from uh, Jake Robertson at at Glory Day Sports on Twitter. Um, this is franchise records, rushing yards, second all-time in franchise history at 9,502, only 507 yards behind Eddie George. Rushing touchdowns at 90, which placed him first all-time in the franchise, 17 ahead of Earl Campbell. Uh, yards per attempt, barely, um, he's first in that, barely um, topping Chris Johnson, 4.7 to 4.6. He's uh, second in attempts at 2030, also behind Eddie George. This is what's really confusing for me as an Eddie George fan because I think everybody's kind of going on to say, man, you know, Derrick Henry is a uh, 
he's a he's a for sure Hall of Famer. But you, you hear what I'm saying? He's trailing Eddie George in all these categories, and Eddie can't ever get. You know, he's been denied like three, four years in a row as a finalist to get into the Hall of Fame. So, love to see Eddie get that. Um, at, at this point, I don't know if Eddie gets in, but so you wonder does does Derrick Henry really ever get into the Hall of Fame? And then you look at a stat right here. Uh, there's been six players in NFL history with five seasons in a row of 12 rushing touchdowns or more. LaDainian Tomlinson, Emmitt Smith, Adrian Peterson, Sean Alexander, Jim Brown, and Derrick Henry, and that's a Hall of Fame class right there. So even more reasons for the King to one day get into uh, to the Hall of Fame. Um, you know, when you look at Ryan Tannehill, and there's, there's stats also uh, from at Jake and Ball on Twitter and as well as Wes Wisely on Facebook and Twitter. Um, if you look at his dominance, you know, he, he gets traded, and more on this later when we're talking about John Robinson and, the, and what he brought to the Titans franchise as a general manager for six years. But you have uh, – well, Tannehill was kind of an afterthought in Miami. He was traded – hold on just a second as I get my thoughts together, and I'm like, thank my friends at TriStar Beverage, this cold, refreshing bush light here on a Wednesday night. Man, good cold beer. Nothing goes better with talking football than a good, refreshing cold beer. And, um, you know, he, he was injured. He had a, you know, tore his ACL in Miami. They kind of threw him out. And Tennessee got him, you know, super dirt cheap, you know, I think. It was a they traded for a fourth round pick. Miami took part of the salary on. Like I said, Mariota starts struggling early in the season. Uh, replaced by Tannehill, they go on to lose that game. But then Tannehill in a in the 2020 season, his best season as a Titan, 4,000 total yards, 40 touchdowns, and then uh, you know in his in his time here, he was he had an overall record of 38 and 24 with a 66.6 percent passing. Uh, uh, Passer uh, completions there, I'm sorry. 91 touchdowns to only 39 interceptions, uh, along with 21 rushing touchdowns. You know, Tannehill rolling on, out on the bootleg is about as dangerous as anybody in that stretch of time in the NFL. Um, he led 14 game-winning drives, including 11 in the fourth quarter, three playoff appearances. You know, uh, I've gone on record as saying he's got the most punchable face I've ever seen in my life. Um, I, <laughs> I don't know what it is. I, I think he reminds me of the taller guy in Florida Georgia line. So he, I always had this, like, stigma that I didn't like Ryan Tannehill already. And then, you know, the first year when the Titans made that playoff run when Derrick Henry just run amok on them boys in Baltimore and New England, and then they made the AFC Championship game in New England or in uh, Kansas City, you know, a team to go in the wild card round and win all these games on the road in especially tough places like Foxborough and Baltimore, then you get up to Kansas City, and, you know, Kansas City just zeroed in on Derrick Henry, and May Tannehill beat him, and he couldn't do it. Uh, he couldn't do it, um, even though the, I think the real ball breaker in that game was uh, that first half scamper by uh, Patrick Mahomes where nobody could stop him. There's like two or three missed tackles on that sideline, and he scores before halftime, completely changed the momentum of that game. And, you you know, now looking back at it, all these years later with all the things that's happened in the Titans world the last – two or three years, just how close the Titans were um, to something special right there to get into the Super Bowl. I mean, I feel like if you stop uh, Mahomes right there, you, you maybe go on and win that game. And that was a real slow defensive uh, game that year between Kansas City and San Francisco. Pretty boring. I didn't wake up till Beyonce or whoever it was was 
shaking their butt half naked at it wasn't Beyonce. Some I don't remember who the girl was at halftime. Anyway, that year, y'all, somebody will remind me. But um, you know, Tannehill. The next year, they go on and play Baltimore at home, first home playoff game since January 2009. He throws an interception to lose the game. Well, at this point, I'm thinking, okay, this guy can't perform in the playoffs. You know, you could be a very, very good regular season player, and that's what I started telling my friends, you know, Ryan Tannehill can play on my team. He can be my quarterback any day of the week, September through uh, December. But he's not a January guy. And then he showed that even more the next year. Man, you're talking about the Titans playing through the most injuries um, in NFL friend, in NFL history. They had the most injuries on any team. And somehow, you know, they leave, they leave, uh, they lose Derrick Henry for a chunk of the season with a foot injury. Um, Deont, De, uh, Foreman, forget his name, uh, Deont, uh, Deontay Foreman, uh, whatever his first name was, uh, looked like a wish version of Derrick Henry. You know, kind of, kind of built like him, looked like him a little bit with a helmet on. Uh, they ran his ass off. You know, he was playing good, and they still end up, you know, getting the number one seed this year, that year. And that's a, that's a. Uh, that speaks also to the defense at the time, but also Tannehill leading, being able to lead the team. Uh, they finished twelve and five, number one seed. That place was rocking. We were there. About ten of us was there. Um, Henry comes back, and what happens? Foreman's out there rushing. Man, he's running his butt off. But they keep force feeding Henry because it's Derrick Henry, and it comes down to it. And I and I said, I just don't feel good about this, and I'm I'm not just looking back at it, talking about it because of the way it happened, but like I told Mackie and Brad before them, I said, we're going to see which Tannehill shows up because I don't feel good because he's, he, he's the one that sent us home basically two years in a row. And he starts that game against Cincinnati with an interception. He throws another interception. And with under a minute to go, they're, they're, they're going down, they're marching down the field with a, with a chance to, uh, you know, just all you got to do is get down there and kick a field goal. And what's he do? Throws another pick. And I was officially done with Ryan Tannehill at that moment. I didn't care what he'd done the regular season after that. Um, and I knew our window was closed. Realistically, defense was getting older. Henry it was coming off an injury. You didn't know how he was going to bounce back, and you just knew that you you reached your limit with Ryan Tannehill as your quarterback. So I've just, in my mind, I've been ready to move on since January 2022. Um, but it was it was still nice. It, it it was nice to see those guys on the field and what everybody felt like was be their last time together. Um, but, but that's the problem with Tennessee Titans fans, myself included. Like I said on in the intro of this show, we still talk about the Music City Miracle. And, and so be it, you know, it deserves its flowers because, damn, it's a hell of a play. It's, I mean, it's one of the top five to ten, I'd say ten at least, uh, most famous, memorable, you know, game winners or plays in NFL history. I mean, if you you know that that place holds about sixty nine thousand. If you listen to everybody, there was about two hundred ten thousand people in attendance that night. Everybody was at that game. You know, nobody left early. They were hanging from the rafters. Um, you know, it was, and, and nobody remembers the game didn't end right there. They actually, you know, Buffalo still had a chance to win the game after that. Nobody remembers that. Um, and again, we talk about that Super Bowl team. We we immortalized Steve and Eddie and and Frank Wycheck and. And Blaine Bishop and Kevin Dyson and Derek Mason. I mean, you know, and those guys are special. But and you know, I am so ready, so ready for uh, new blood in Nashville. I mean, I want to, you know, I want to celebrate something current. 
I mean, I can't have nice things in my adult life. My Titans have never been good, like over-the-top good French, like, you know, just elite. You know, I try to support the Memphis Grizzlies, even though they really are like the Arkansas Grizzlies. But now Ja Morant, you know, tore his labrum and he's out the rest of the season after he played pew, pew, pew the first part of the season and didn't get to play. And he's coming back and they've been undefeated and he tears his damn labrum. And I'm, I'm sorry, Don Asbury. I don't even know what labrum is. I'm not very smart. But um, but it causes you to miss the rest of the uh, NBA season. And people wonder why I still watch Shaq highlights. Because guess what? Injuries and mediocrity, mediocrity cannot take away those three championships from Shaq and Kobe. So I will forever be watching YouTube highlights of Shaq and Kobe because that's the only enjoyment I've ever known in sports in my entire 40 years on this planet. <clears throat> so we get back to uh, to the current now. We took a long look down uh, memory lane with Derek Henry and Ryan Tannehill. Now here we are talking about Mike Grable. 55 and 48 as a, as a head coach here in six years. I never in my wildest dreams went into this week on Black Monday thinking, okay, yeah, all these poverty franchises, they're going to they're gonna fire their coach, but we've got a good one in Vrabel. we got a good one in Vrabes. We're not going to fire Vrabel. We'd be crazy in hell to fire Mike Vrabel. He's probably the best coach, you know, maybe better than Jeff Fisher. I don't know, but second best coach in history, no doubt about that. And we're not going to fire him, but, there, you know, there's these, been, there's these continuous rumors for the last few months that, there was some um, tension between him and the first-year GM, Rand Carthon. There was all these rumors since he got um, inducted into the Patriots Hall of Fame midseason that you know they, the Patriots would be moving away, away from Bill Belichick and the natural successor would be Mike Vrabel. And you just, it, you know, you just, it didn't go away. You're like, eh, maybe, maybe, well, you know, but it didn't go away. So it's like, okay, there's got to be some truth to this. Um, so I think the Titans fans, as there was – there was complete uh, silence on the Titans end and the Patriots end after Monday. So if you've been if you've been um, these rumors about Vrabel wanting to go to New England, and then the, you know, New England's been trying to fire Belichick or you know talking about replacing him after the season. They're both under contract. So what you got to do? You got to fire Belichick. Well, you can trade if you're the Titans. You can trade Vrabel. If that's what if it comes down to that, where that's what's going to happen. I think all of us fans were kind of conditioning ourselves to be like, okay, well, at least we can get maybe a first-rounder next year from New England and maybe a second, a fourth this year. Like, what's the compensation history on coaches getting traded? So we were, I think, mentally preparing that after Monday, the weird silence that the players met but Vrabel didn't meet, some shit wasn't going down right, you know. So uh, we're at least saying, well, we don't want to lose our second-best coach in franchise history, but if we do, we can get some draft picks because, damn, whether anybody wants to admit it or not, we're in a rebuild, and we're going to need those draft picks. So imagine everybody's shocked, how everybody was shocked when we just fired him, just flat out fired him. Uh, no replacement in sight. You know, they've requested to interview about eight uh, assistant coaches throughout the league, uh, offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators all around the league. Um, so no draft compensation because, according to uh, Diana Rossini, that uh, from the athletic, that it was going to be too complicated to trade a head coach. You know, it's not as easy, I guess, as just trading uh, a player. So here we are after six seasons, after a, a year being removed from the power struggle between John Robinson, former GM, and Mike Vrabel, happening to where you're thinking, okay, you know, we, we've got one of the best young coaches. I think Vrabel's maybe you know, 48, something like that. Uh, 
with, with Carthon, who has this excellent mind from San Francisco, by all accounts had a really good draft first draft class. Uh, you know, Peter Skaronsky, the, the, the left guard, uh, pretty big success. You know, you, the, the one singular bright spot on a really bad offensive line, an historically bad offensive line. Um, you want to believe you found your franchise quarterback early in the second round with Will Levis out of Kentucky. Uh, definitely some flashes there. DeAndre Hopkins says one of the most, one of the three most confident and uh, competitive quarterbacks that he's ever played of, played with, and uh, that's coming from a future Hall of Famer that has no reason to lie. Um, you know, Tajay Spears, the uh, running back out of Tulane, looked very electric as a one uh, B to Derrick Henry this year as a change change of pace back, and then even Jalen Duncan, the six round tackle, uh, you know. Had some bad things happen, but you know he's a six-round tackle. There's, I mean, and even Josh Wiley uh, tied in. So overall, you know, definitely room for optimism on the way that Rand Carthon, 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 I'm sorry, drafted this past year. Um, but now you're starting all over. They just fire him. Amy says it's the hardest thing she's ever done, and you know, you look at these things. Amy Adam Strunk is not afraid to uh, to make a move. I mean, you know, our, our last GM was terrible. Um, before John Robinson's what I'm saying. I forget um, Webster. I forget his name. Terrible GM. So, you know, John Robinson, and my God, if you look at John Robinson, and you will not find a more loyal John Robinson supporter than I was um, through the first five years. Year six, I was starting to see, okay, um, and you can, you can take this guy's body of work and split it right down the middle first three years and the last three years, and you wouldn't think it's the same general manager. It, it was insane how hot he come in. They started calling him Trader John because he comes in. First thing is first thing he did, being not, not even being there a month, he trades for DeMarco Murray from Philadelphia. And, and be damned if DeMarco Murray still had a little tread left on the tires when they got him dirt cheap from Philly after being a stud back for Dallas all those years. Um, then he trades for Tannehill, like we said. Tannehill was – he, he was just in the garbage heap, and he gives a fourth-round pickup for a guy who ends up being the second-best quarterback probably in the franchise history, and Miami foots a lot of that salary, if I, best I remember, in year one. He goes on to uh, to draft Derrick Henry, second round of 2016. Um, now, we'll get back to the bad picks in a minute, but the Titans off the, off the trade where they ended up with the number one pick in 2016 and they traded it to uh, the Rams, who ended up taking Jared Goff with that trade. They ended up with, second, with three second-rounders, and um, those guys were not good. One of them was Austin Johnson, I think a defensive tackle out of maybe Penn State or somewhere. And he ended up being a bust, and that third guy, I'd have to Google it, but um, you know Henry was the only one that, that really uh, panned out. But, I mean, you know, it really panned out. Um, taking A.J. Brown in the 2019 second round, uh, coming up and getting Harold Landry in the 2018 draft, Kevin Byard, who was, you know, not on anybody's bingo cards too much, playing at little MTSU there in Murfreesboro, a third-round pick who ended up leading the league in interceptions for several years there. Uh, there was the Jack Conklin pick, Jeffrey Simmons, who was um, who started a bad trend. It worked out for Big Jeff, but – um, he began the trend of John Robinson reaching on injured players. But Jeffrey Simmons was a projected top ten pick. Of course, had uh, knee surgery. Dropped him down to pick 18, 19, and 
He's, he's really worked out well. He signed Ben Jones. He signed uh, Roger Saffold, who ended up being a Pro Bowl guard, uh, left guard for him uh, beside um, in between Taylor Lewan and Ben Jones, all those successful years when the Titans actually did have a really great offensive line. Um, so that's all the good things John Robinson done. You know, he's a West Tennessee boy. You felt the passion in his voice when he wanted – you really felt like John Robinson wanted uh, wanted to, to bring the Titans back to uh, to a level of importance in the league. But 2020 was, was the downfall. And uh, it started with Isaiah Wilson, the panda, the guy who didn't want to play football, who was all by all accounts a freaking lunatic at Georgia. And um, I, I really – you know, me being a apologetic – figure for John Robinson, just being a loyalist for J-Rob. Uh, I really backed that 2020 draft class. Well, it was COVID. He didn't get a chance to meet these guys. I mean, anybody could have met Isaiah Wilson, I believe, and probably been like, okay, this guy, as the Titans love to, love to say, love ball. I don't think Isaiah Wilson ever loved ball. Um, and we're still paying for that Isaiah Wilson pick. We're still paying for a swing and miss at the tackle position there. So the next year he swings and misses on Caleb Farley, who is still on the roster, but, I mean, does anybody really expect any good anything from Caleb Farley moving forward? I, I certainly don't. And, you know, he was he had a back surgery and a knee surgery coming out of college. You know, I guess he's looking back, and this is where I say this started the reaching on on uh, injured players. You know, Jeffrey Simmons panned out. Caleb Farley has not. Traylon Burks, it doesn't matter what Traylon Burks does because the next thing I was going to say was, you know, the A.J. Brown trade. You know, when A.J. was wanting this much money and John Robinson didn't want to pay him, um, unfortunately, the pick that the Titans got in that trade for A.J. sent him to Philly was the Traylon Burks. And the Traylon Burks, could, he could have come out that year and caught some balls and got 600 yards, and it still wouldn't have been good enough. But the fact that he's been on the field very sparingly for two years in a row while Titans fans have had to watch A.J. Brown uh, you know, set records for you know, six games in a row of over 125 receiving yards and Traylon Burks is on the sideline, and when he's on the field, he's not catching passes and he's not doing anything really productive. So, um, so yeah, to, to pick those three guys, Wilson, Farley, and Burks, three years in a row in the first round, not a good look for John Robinson. Uh, the Julio Jones trade, I think, you know, I, we were all excited. I don't care what anybody says now. Everybody was excited to, when we traded uh, Julio Jones. And, you know, Julio barely played, and we gave up a second rounder and a fourth rounder for an aging veteran. Um, Clowney, you know, and this is where I think in 2019 and 2020, 19 particularly when they made the AFC Championship, um, I, I think Robinson thought, well, I thought I was rebuilding, but Henry hit and Tannehill hit and all these players that hit quicker than maybe Robinson had anticipated out of this draft that he's like, oh, this is our window. I've got to put, like, we're here. Like, we're here. We only are missing a couple pieces. So he signs Clowney to an already pretty impressive Titans defensive line at the time. And Clowney, that poor – I mean, I say poor. That man has made a career. That man has made millions and million dollars off that one badass hit he had against Michigan in college. I mean, this man has made a career out of one hit he got in college. And he's still balling this year in Baltimore. For the Titans, he didn't do it. But I don't I don't blame him. If Jadavion Clowney is on the – is on the um, – the market, you take you take a, a chance at him. I'm not mad at Jadavion Clowney. The one I'm fucking fur still furious about is Vic Beasley. Vic Beasley had like 15 sacks his rookie year for the Falcons, 
and never done anything productive again and would become a free agent. I think people in Atlanta volunteered to move him out of town, and it was like the meme on the Internet where it says nobody, absolutely nobody. But then John Robinson, please come play for the Titans. He threw millions at Vic Beasley. And this man, he went MIA. You couldn't even find him to come to Nashville to sign his contract. He found every excuse in the world not to play football that year. Taylor Lewan and Will Compton have said on Bustin' the Boys he was the worst teammate ever. Like he would, he would actively tell people he wasn't going to uh, to play. He was finding reasons not to play, and that you know those decisions by John Roberts ultimately, you know, killed him. So you look at Amy Adams. I don't care what John Roberts had done. Enough was enough, and it started with you know when did he get fired? You know there was some disconnect. You watch back that draft video. When they traded A.J. Brown and John Robinson and Mike Vrabel in the war room together in the draft room, and Vrabel has a stand up and shaking his head, and it, it was obvious to anybody at that time that was a John Robinson trade and Mike Vrabel was not on board. Um, so they go on to play Philly, and A.J. Brown lights up the Titans. John Robinson gets fired the next day. Amy Adams doesn't play. She wants to build a winner in her lifetime that her dad spent you know, his life putting this – franchise in Nashville from Houston. I mean, look at Mike Malarkey. I never was just a great Mike Malarkey fan, but the guy won nine games in a playoff game, and they fired him. They fired him because he refused to fire bad coordinators because they were his friends. He was too loyal to his staff, and, and Amy fired him. And as a Titans fan, I'm sitting going, this is the first playoff game we've won in like a decade. Nine wins in a playoff game. We fired him for this unproven defensive coordinator from the Texas named Mike Vrabel. And Vrabel goes on to have a 55-48 and 48 record, AFC South champion in 20 and 21, the number one seed in 2021 when they finished 12-5, and five, like I said earlier, despite the injury to Derek Henry and everybody else on the roster. They made it to the AFC championship game. He was the 2021 coach of the year. But, boy, if, you're, if we're not living in a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately league, as the Titans in Vrabel's first four years, 41-24, and 24, and to finish 13-21 and 21 the last two seasons, again, ravaged by injuries the last three, uh, break the record every single year for most players used, the worst offensive line in football. But So who's to blame? You know, is it Vrabel um, staying too long with guys like Todd Downing and uh, is Tim Kelly really a good offensive coordinator? Uh, is Shane Bowen good, or was Shane Bowen only really good the year that we had um, Jim Schwartz helping him on the defense? Um, I think we all love Rabel because as football fans, we love guys that – we love us guys like me that sit here, and I don't know a ton about football, but when I look at it from afar and I'm sitting here with my buddies, I'm drinking a beer, and I see Rabel out there wrestling with his players on the sidelines – um, that makes you want to like Mike Vrabel because he gets in there because he is a player. I mean, he's in the Patriots Hall of Fame. The guy, you know, won three Super Bowls with Tom Brady. Um, and you can say whatever you want to about Vrabel. He's smart. I mean, you think back to the, the, the game in New England when he was pulling Bill Belichick moves on Bill Belichick. Um, there's the fact that he got the absolute most out of the roster that John Robinson forced his hand with the last few years. I mean, I see a tweet the other day that Sean Murphy Bunning, the cornerback we signed from Tampa, he wasn't even on the roster last year when Jacksonville sent the Titans home, and he was talking trash on Twitter saying, yeah, they're going to have to join us at Cancun. Like, and then somebody was like, Rabel's got these players so motivated, they're talking shit 
about a team, a game they weren't even involved in last year. And you look at all the love he got on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it, with from Big Jeff and Derrick Henry and and Dennis Kelly and Ben Jones and D Hop, all these guys that came to the defense of of uh, Mike Vrabel. He's just a player's coach, you know. Uh, Compton, Lawan, they all love him. He's just a dude's dude, you know. He just he relates to the players. He can. Uh, it's no different than any other business that. You know, say I, I'm I'm a work in a production factory. Are people going to respect you more if you've spent time on the floor, or you haven't? You know, if they if they know you've been in the same trenches and the same battles that you have, they're gonna they're, they're gonna respect that. And to me, Vrabel's been through all the all the tests. He's won Super Bowls, and he's one of the fastest rising young coaches in the game. And is he stubborn? Hell yeah, he's stubborn. But are you going to be able to find a guy better than Mike Vrabel right now? And and you know, a lot of the negative people on Twitter will say, well. You guys are just you're, – you're pretending like this guy's John Madden or just like an all-time great coach. But I just can't blame him for all that. I mean, look at some of the wins he he got out of a really bad roster two years ago. I mean, it's going to catch up. When, when a guy like John Robinson drafted, I mean, basically there's nobody left <laughs> that he drafted or signed from those last couple classes. And Vrabel's still having to wade through that. I was just I thought that he deserved one more year to see what he could do with one more year of Carthon drafting to see what he could do uh with actual talent if Rand Carthon's gonna be the guy. But Amy didn't 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 think so. So it was her decision. <coughs> what I do disagree with on Amy Adams Strunk's part, it was her decision, her decision only apparently. She met with Mike one on one. But she sends Rand out there to the Wolves for the press conference by himself. Now, don't get me wrong. It's not like Nashville media are just, just eat up. You know, Paul Kaharski complains all the time just about how soft the Nashville media is about not asking the hard questions. So I'm not sure that she's going to be asking any hard, hard questions. But obviously she didn't want to face that heat. So she has this nice little padded interview with Mike Keith where the questions are prepared, I'm sure. I didn't even watch the video. I had no interest in watching the video because stuff like that is just so fluffy. You know, but you know, she sends Rand out there to the media by himself, which I just thought that was kind of, you know, I didn't agree with it. So the Titans, it's you're you're in a young division where you know, um, obviously Houston went through just a three or four really rough years after the Deshaun Watson, DeAndre Hopkins, J.J. Watt run of uh, success there, and uh, you know they turned it around basically this last couple years, and they go from uh, you know, drafting second and third overall in this past draft to, to being uh, being in the playoffs this year. Uh, Jacksonville, no, I'm not scared of Jacksonville. Their quarterback looks like a girl. He's one of the most overrated, overhyped players I've ever seen in my life. He's supposed to be the next Peyton Manning when he came out of Clemson. That dude's done nothing because he's playing for the poverty franchise. Nobody's scared of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Their owners also can't run a wrestling organization. It's the biggest joke for wrestling organization. They have double the money Vince McMahon has. They've got their over, over uh, anxious son running the show and running that shit in the ground too. So that whole thing's a dumpster fire in Jacksonville. So, um, and the Colts, you know, who knows? While their owners living life to its fullest, so to speak. I won't say any references on here. I don't want to. Allude to any lifestyle that Jim Irsay may live, but so that thing's a dumpster fire for now. But you know what? What are they having, Anthony Richards? But I feel like the Titans have just as much uh, 
hope as anybody in the AFC South. I mean, somebody's going to win that crap. It's like the NFC South. Somebody's going to win that dumpster fire. Congratulations, Tampa, for winning the worst division in football, even worse than the AFC South, in my my uh, opinion. So if you're the Titans, you've got the number seven pick in the draft. By winning that game against Jacksonville, you don't really um, – they were going to finish like six or seven regardless. So you might as well go ahead and knock Jacksonville out of the playoffs while you can. But they're going to have anywhere between 80 and $90 million, um dollars in a, in free agency. So now they got to find a coach. And like I said, I'm not going to – if you're like me, you're not a big enough football nerd to know all the names. But I see they've, they've requested uh, – the Texans' offensive coordinator, the Lions' offensive and defensive coordinator, the Ravens' defensive coordinator. So several people on the docket here to interview in the next couple of days. Hopefully they, they find their guy. And uh, real quick before we go to uh, another break, we're 44 minutes, a little bit longer than I intended to talk Titans. But uh, uh, I'd like to thank our sponsors here on the North Spring Sessions podcast, Brenda Keith. At Don Franklin Chevrolet in Burksville, whether you're looking for a new or pre-owned vehicle, Brenda can hook you up. Uh, check out her um, Instagram and Facebook pages or go up to Burksville and ask for Brenda. She can take care of you, man. She's been staying busy. Girl's killing it in the gym. My girl's lost 88 pounds in the last uh, last year. Uh, she showed me a picture of us standing together from North Springs 22 compared to 23. She lost 88 pounds. I found at least a fourth of it. I had nice, sexy cheeks in 2022, 23. It looked like I had acorns and nuts and everything. Okay, maybe I shouldn't say I had nuts in my mouth. But uh, acorns and, uh, uh, yeah, my face is the first thing that goes to my, into my body. Well, everything gets fat on me when, I, when I'm out of control and not working out. So, um, anyway, good on Brenda. And also thank my friends at Helen's Restaurant, Kristen, Carol, the family business since 1987 on Highway 56 in Gainesboro. Go see those girls. Tell them DK sent you. Tell them their money's going, uh, getting spent well. You're hearing the ads on the North Spring Sessions podcast. And thank, the, thank them for their um, years of loyalty as well, just like Brenda. And right before we go out tonight, so to close the show as I took a break there and um, got the video ready, I think we should go out on, like I said, this is a, uh, I don't know what Mike Vrabel's going to do next, but he's going to find a job. He was my personal favorite coach in Titans history. I just love Mike Vrabel. So I, I, I really – sucks that Vrabel's gone. Um, I don't have a – I do not have a way to go off the air and celebrate Ryan Tannehill. Um, I can respect what he done, and I would take him as a backup. I'll go ahead and say that. If he come back for $5 million a year to be a backup to Will Levis, I would take that. But I never want to see him start another game for the Tennessee Titans ever especially in the playoffs. Not that the Titans had to worry about the playoffs the last two years. But just in case y'all were wondering where I'm, my allegiance lies, I am Team Til- Will, Will Levis, and I hope they don't get him killed because I will still die on the hill that Jake Locker would have been a good quarterback had they had an offensive line that was competent. That guy played behind a, behind a bad offensive line. Marcus Mariota was good his first two years before they got him murdered. So please get a damn offensive line in Nashville. But to celebrate the best player in Tennessee Titans, I won't say history, but in this era of Tennessee Titans football, the king, Derrick Henry. Let's go off the air on this session, this uh, episode of North Springs Sessions podcast. Here's the call from Mike Keith on Derrick Henry's 99-yard run against those little kitty cat Jaguars back seven uh, a few years ago. Gives it to Henry. Henry bounces it outside. Five. 10, 
15, stiff arm, 20, 25, 30, 40, stiff arm, 50, 40, 30, he's on his feet, big chase, 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown, Titans, 99 yards! Nobody in the business better than Derrick Henry, and nobody in the business better than Mike Key, the voice of the Tennessee Titans. And you know what? Nobody better in the business, at least, you know, I'll go on record saying it's the best podcast in Jackson County. It's the North Spring Sessions with DK. Thank you for tuning in. And I'm going to hit stop, and I'm going to hit you back with that Chris Knight episode for you music lovers. Thank you for tuning in.